basically my point is I want to encourage people to close that gap between the time in which they're doing the work and the time in which they're getting paid. And I think with videographers, as to your point, it sounds like you're, you're collecting the majority, if not all of it, pretty much before you do the work. And so that maybe is not as much of a concern, but it may be with these love stories and engagement shoots. And so just think about, just don't, I think people get so caught up in their craft and in their, you know, because they love doing these videos. Like they, they're so into it uh, that they, they, they don't maybe, sometimes they, they don't think about as much of like, well, I need to have this like this money pumping into my business so I can keep doing this <laughs> and keep doing this craft that I love. Because if you don't have that, what ends up happening is you start resenting the business and you start resenting the craft um, and then you just close your doors. Welcome to the Wedding Video Boss podcast where we talk about the business of being a wedding creative and a sneak peek into my very, very private world as a wedding videographer. I'm your host, Paul Santiago, and today we are talking about another one of my favorite topics, which is the law. And fortunately, after so many months of just trying to get her on the show, she's here, and I cannot wait for you to hear this interview because it's going to be so helpful for your business. Without further ado, let's start the show. When Legally Blonde came out, the world was introduced to the fun side of law. Some say fun and law can coexist, but that means that they haven't met Annette Stepanian, a real lawyer who makes the law practical, approachable, and dare we say it, even a little fun. Not only can she lay down the law, but Annette equips other creative professionals and small business owners with the legal and business knowledge needed to confidently start and grow their business. Committed to making legal information accessible for small business owners and entrepreneurs, Annette founded Your Legal BFF, your go-to online legal bestie for easy-to-understand and industry-specific contract templates and trainings. I'm not going to make you wait any longer. Here's Annette Stepanian. Hey, Annette. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Paul. I'm excited to be here. I really appreciate this. We've been we've been talking for like a few weeks and it's it's gotten me so excited because I I've, I've been trying to research what I could ask you and it's finally here. <laughs> you don't often hear people say I'm excited to talk about contracts and the law. So I I feel very special right now. <laughs> you you know what? I like following rules and I like protecting myself while I do that. So this is exactly the thing that I always yeah. wanted to talk to people about. There you go. <laughs> Ask and you shall receive. Oh, yeah. Okay, so before we start, just so the listeners would get a feel of who you are, tell us something about yourself that might surprise people. Well, you probably wouldn't guess it now, but when I was much younger through, you know, through high school and even a little bit of college, I was really, really into dance. Um, you know, did a lot of choreography, um, kind of was the head of our dance company in high school. So that's always been a really big part of who I am, just, you know, getting out there and moving and shaking. <laughs> I used to dance too when I was in like grade school. So I feel like having that as a background always draws you into the creative industry. <laughs> 
That and it also you don't see a lot of guys who like to dance, and so it also makes you a hit at weddings and parties. Oh yeah, I'm a, <laughs> I'm, a guy feels comfortable dancing on you know. So. Oh yeah, I'm a definite hit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, He's so um, I want to ask you how you got into the industry and what you're up to now. Yeah, so I kind of took the traditional path and went to law school after college and worked at a, a major law firm doing litigation. And after about five or six years, I wanted to do something different. So I took a leap of faith and I quit my job. And uh, that eventually led me into actually starting my own jewelry business for a few years. And in that process, I met a lot of creatives, a lot of entrepreneurs. And I saw a real need for legal information that was accessible, that was industry specific, that quote unquote, like spoke creative um, to be to be made available to folks in this industry. And so I decided, wow, this is such a great way to merge kind of this legal information and the legal skill sets that, that I have with this community that I really love. Um, you know, people are doing such great things and it's so exciting to be a part of that and see that impact that you can make uh, directly on someone's business and their dreams. And so I decided to merge those two and started what I do today. Um, and in that process, I started working with a lot of folks in the wedding industry. I had a lot of friends who were uh, somehow related to you know whether they owned an event rental company or they were a planner and uh, just thought, hey, th these are people who need contracts <laughs> and they need contracts, they need information about how to run a wedding-based, um, service-based business. And so that's kind of the, the very, very quick evolution of how I got to what I do today. Um, and what I do today is I, I work one-on-one -on -one with clients um, kind of in a, in a more traditional kind of law firm format in that I, you know, they'll come to me with uh, different needs, whether it's to draft a contract, file a trademark, get their business entity set up. And then I also run yourlegalbff.com, which has a lot of great contract templates and other online resources for folks who kind of want to DIY it. Um, so they, that all of that stuff is available over there. You know, the, being in the waiting industry, it's it's tough because we're in we're kind of in that stage where am I full time? Am I part time? So mm -hmm. that that means that you're not ready completely when you jump in, and that's why I I appreciate uh, you doing this because it it really does help people. Like, oh, okay, I didn't know I needed to be an entity or I didn't know I need to be to have a contract when I do this. Yeah, I think regardless of what industry you're in, when you're starting a business, you're acquiring so many different skill sets or you, you have to be. So there's the craft that you do. So whether let's say you're a videographer, you have the craft of being a videographer, but then you have to learn about all the other stuff about running a business, operating a business, getting sales, getting leads, the legal, the accounting, it can get very overwhelming. Uh, and so doing that research up front and just constantly learning, learning whether you're listening to podcasts like this uh, is, is it's a great resource because it's, it's just it's a lifelong thing you know <laughs> you're going to constantly be learning so you might as well build that muscle now in the beginning um, and get kind of all your ducks in a row when you start but then just keep an open mind because you know things it's just it's a, it's a huge learning curve um, but that's also what's so exciting about it yeah I think also the the fact that you have a complete set of everything that you need to build a business makes you 
look more professional with the clients because you know a, you you have to start somewhere and sometimes there are people who ask for cash only and we have like this one page contract can you sign it you know it it just makes it builds your brand a little bit better when you do that yeah i mean one of the things that i say about why contracts are so important is you know we all know like contracts are important because obviously if there's a dispute and you go to court it'll help cover you and things all those things like we all know that but one of the biggest reasons why i think contracts are so important is that they really set you apart from the competition and you want to start thinking about it as a branding tool so as you know when couples are getting married and they're hiring different vendors they're doing google searches they're you know they're going on whether it's the nod or wedding wire or whatever and finding out okay who are the different vendors here well you want to find a way to stand out and if you're going to send no contract or a really sloppy contract and then your competition is sending something that looks very put together that looks very professional chances are that that potential um, prospect is going to you know they're going to be impressed by that they're going to feel comfortable they're going to feel secure because on average couples i, I think i read a statistic that on average they're spending about twenty-seven thousand dollars um, on a wedding on a wedding that's average and both you and I know probably in California, that's a lot more. <laughs> um, their budgets are a lot, probably it's a lot higher. Um, and oftentimes a lot of the parents are actually borrowing money from their retirement and their savings to pay for the wedding. And they're investing in you. Um, they want to know that that money that they're putting to hire you, it's going to be secure. And one of the things that's going to help them feel secure is having a solid contract that explains okay, what happens if the wedding gets canceled? What happens if this, this, and this happens, right? Um, so for a lot of different reasons, contracts are important, but I think one that just never kind of people don't realize is that, is that it does, cre it does create an, an impression and a, hopefully if it's a good contract, a positive impression, that's going to make it a lot easier for people to say yes and to hire you. I love that. I love that it's, it, they're investing in you is something that I've never thought of. Yeah, that's right. They're investing in you. So yeah. I, I want to ask you, what kinds of contracts do business owners need from different stages? Like, let's, let's go from if someone's starting out, is there like a set of contracts that they need to have? Yeah. So at the most basic level, like if you're like, I can, I can only get one contract in, in order. I really think having some sort of client service agreement where that governs the sale of your services to your clients. So you're a wedding planner, for instance, something that talks about your wedding planning services that you're going to be offering to the couple. Um, you're a videographer, same thing there. So that is, I think, at the most basic level, because that's what's going to bring money into your business, right? <laughs> is getting these clients coming into the to your door, signing the contract, paying the invoices. And so, and that's also where I think a lot of the disputes are likely to happen. Um, and so you want to make sure that you cover yourself there. Uh, moving on at that point, if most people have websites nowadays, um, and so with that means that you should have a website privacy policy in terms of service um, for your website. And what that means is um, the privacy policy covers, um, it addresses what data you're collecting from website visitors and how that data is being used. So for example, if you have an email opt-in, if you're running a Facebook pixel in the background, 
if you have, I don't know, a contact form on your website, you're collecting data from a website visitor. And so you're obligated to share that, what, what data is being collected, how that's being used through a privacy policy. And then the terms of service are kind of like the rules and um, the rules people have to follow when they come to your website. Um, and so just as when people come into your house, for example, you might have certain rules. You might say, when you come into my house, you can't jump up and down on the couch or you can't smoke in my house. It's kind of the same thing. It's the rules and kind of how website visitors need to interact and utilize your website, what's appropriate, what's not. So that's a, this kind of second set of contracts I would say people need if they have some sort of online presence via a website, um, which again, most of us, I would say probably 99.9% .9 of people do these days. And then finally, as you are ready to hire people, um, you want to start thinking about, okay, how do we, uh, what kind of, how do we classify this worker? Are they an employee? Are they an independent contractor? And that's a whole conversation of its own. But when you are in a position to hire people, you want to have some sort of contract there in place to govern that relationship. So just as clients hire you, when you hire people for your business, maybe you hire a photographer to take new headshots or you hire a website designer to pull together a website, you want to make sure that there's a contract there as well. Uh, to govern that relationship. So that's kind of, that's probably going to get you the majority of what you need. There's obviously like a million other <laughs> contracts you could possibly need, but that's going to get, I would say for most people, that's going to, that's going to be really good. Um, it's going to cover a lot of ground. Okay. That, that's amazing because I, the the whole privacy policy is uh, the new thing from last year, right? Was it last year when they had the privacy issue? So I'm, I'm, well, I'm, it's it's go ahead. Oh no, I'm just glad that you brought it up because it's something that we we're not Facebook or anything like that, so we don't really that's not really something that people think about, and it's I'm glad that you brought it up. Yeah, the laws have actually been there. What you're referring to is the, the laws that came out of the European Union, um, the GDPR. And that's the laws, like we have our own laws here in California regarding privacy practices and data usage and all that stuff. And so the laws were already on the book, but the stuff that came out of the European Union last summer, it's actually been around for a while, but it, had, it went into effect last summer, um, it just kind of raised the standard kind of it kind of created this like, like a flurry for people like, Oh my goodness. Cause it was like all over the news. We were all getting emails of people updating their privacy policy. So it kind of, kind of highlighted the issue for people, but it's, it's always been there. Okay. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I guess what my last question, when it comes to the contracts that business owners need, cause there's a lot of people who do style shoots for free with other vendors just to create like networking and to be featured is that should people have a contract for that kind of thing but before we get into that i just want to thank you for being a loyal listener you don't know how much it means to me that you're listening right now and i can share with you something that i'm passionate about if you enjoy the content that i'm bringing every week i just want to remind you that the wedding video boss podcast also has a patreon page where you could pledge as low as $1 to show your support and keep the show going. There's different tiers which gives you different perks like transcripts of all the episodes. This is for those who don't have time to listen for an hour. 
a Facebook community to share and give business advice for photographers and videographers. Also, extra episodes just for the hardcore fans. Just go to www.patreon.com that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash wedding video boss or click on the link in the show notes. Thanks for your support. Now let's get back to whatever we were talking about. I always think it's a great idea. I know so much of what people do in this industry is just, it's just like this kind of unspoken kind of rule. Like for instance, if you go to a wedding and like usually the photographer will share all the pictures with the other vendors, it's just kind of this unspoken thing. But I think anytime you're exchanging something of value for value, even if there's no money involved, I just think it's really smart to have something um, in place, particularly, um, if you're the photographer and you have rules about uh, you, you're technically licensing out the use of those photos to the people who are involved in the shoot. You want to make sure that that stuff is just documented, giving them the authority to do so and, or setting any type of limitations on how uh, that can be, the photos can be used. But even for the other vendors who are involved, you know, everybody's contributing something, whether it's time, money, skill, whatever. um, And you want to make sure that, there's some sort of um, documented understanding that, okay, this is what I'm going to get in exchange for, you know, donating all these florals for this beautiful styled shoot or putting together a trailer, um, a video trailer. So uh, I would. Okay. That's, that's great because (laughs) yeah, you wouldn't think it usually the people who do styled shoots together, they're friends or they've known each other for a while and, it's just something that's great to have to protect you from it's always been an issue especially for photographers and videographers when the people the the other wedding vendors share their photos and not credit them or anything like that so it's it's good to have yeah i think um obviously it can feel kind of like an awkward conversation to have um especially if you're doing something outside the norm of what most people do but if you think about it you're really trying to protect everybody um, you can present it that way of like, well, I want to make sure that we're, we're all, we're all going to say what we're going to do and we're going to follow through on it. So, um, I just think it's a good practice. If yeah. you, obviously, if you have a really good relationship with people that you trust, you know, do you need it? Maybe not. Um, but if you're, but oftentimes you don't know everybody. So it might be, I think a wise practice to start when, you're starting to get, you know, bigger, more people involved and things of that nature, um, just to have that documented. Yeah. And just like what you said earlier, it makes you, it makes you look more professional when you do that. So I love that you're respecting your colleagues when you, when you do something like that, it's more of respecting than like, I don't trust you, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) since we're already talking about this, I was wondering if there are any common problems that wedding business owners face and how do you address those in your contract? So there's a common, like there are common issues that come up with events, right? So things like we know uh, events get rescheduled. We know couples break up, right? There's the, that kind of stuff that just always comes up. So you want to start thinking about what are some kind of things that are just unique to us in this industry that I need to think about and address in my contracts. Um, But one of the things that I just see a lot of people, not just folks in the wedding industry, but because I work so much with in the wedding industry, I, 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 it's, it seems more common than not 
is the way in which they structure their payments. So, you know, what happens is a lot of people will start off and they don't necessarily have the experience. So they just kind of copy what everybody else is doing. And they're like, well, if everybody else is doing it this way, then it must be okay. But what happens is a lot of people will take, let's say, a, a certain portion of the fees up front, um, maybe 50%, for instance. And then this is more for people who are doing work throughout the kind of the wedding planning process. Um, so let's say wedding planners or um, maybe uh, photographers, maybe they're doing engagement shoots or things of that nature. So they'll take like a certain portion up front and then they spend months and months and months doing all this work for the possibility that this event is actually going to happen, right? So they are kind of like, they, ha- they run into a cash flow issue. So yeah. they, they, they take this big chunk on front, they work, 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 and then the kind of cash flow dries up. And then there's this event a year later that may not happen because the couple may b- break up. And that's when they're going to then take that like le- second 50% payment. Well, that's like, to me, is a huge risk, right? Because you're doing all this work. And at a certain point, you're kind of doing the work for free because you don't know that you're going to get that second 50% at the time of the event. So what I recommend is that people really think about their business and what makes their business work. And at what, like, what kind of cash flow do you need to have coming through during the kind of the life cycle of your project and for that client? And structure the payments accordingly. You know, just because everybody else does a 50-50 split, that may not work for you. Uh, you know, maybe you need to break it down a little bit more where you're getting more um, periodic payments throughout that time. Uh, for videographers, maybe the 50-50 makes sense because as a videographer, you're really not doing a whole lot of work until at the event and then after. So maybe that 50-50 works. But I think that's one thing where I see a lot of business owners running themselves ragged because they haven't thought about how the cash needs to be um, structured and then they don't have that represented in their contracts so that they can keep the lights on. They can pay yeah. their bills. They can you know, do the work. And so they just run themselves ragged. And after a year or two, they feel like, well, I can't, I can't make this work. Like there's just not in it for me and nothing in it for me. I'm working for peanuts here. When I think if you take a little bit of time up front to, to, to do that research, to think about, okay, how do I need to design this business? You're really just architecting a business and the contract just reflects that thought process that you've, you've come to. Um, and I think a lot of people look at contracts as like, oh, this is thing I have to do on my to-do list. Like I just need to get a contract because they hate thinking about contracts, but contracts are really an opportunity to reflect on how you are going to design your unique business that works for you. And that's what I do with my one-on-one clients. Like that's where we spend a lot of time thinking about, okay, what's working, what's not working, what would be your like ideal situation and how can we create policies and procedures that are reflected in the contract in order to support that. Okay. I I like that because you're actually right. For videographers, we don't really do anything until you know, it's like two weeks before the wedding because we don't really have like engagement shoots. But there's a lot of videographers that are starting to do love story videos and engagement shoots. And I think that's a good idea because for us, we to reserve the date, we we charge 50 percent. And then we 
ask for the other 50% two weeks before the wedding. We usually meet with them and talk to them about any progress. Like, uh, do you still have these, this number of guests? So we see each other. But I think now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, maybe we should do 50% to down and then 25% when we do the love story and then another 25 on the date uh, two weeks before just so you kind of have most of the money already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, and that's something that is going to be very personal to each business owner to yeah. figure out, okay, what is basically my point is I want to encourage people to close that gap between the time in which they're doing the work and the time in which they're getting paid. And I think with videographers, as to your point, it sounds like you're, you're collecting the majority, if not all of it, pretty much before you do the work. And so that maybe is not as much of a concern, but it may be with these love stories and engagement shoots. And so just think about, just don't, I think people get so caught up in their craft and in their, you know, because the, they love doing these videos. Like they, they're so into it uh, that they, they, they don't maybe, sometimes they, they don't think about as much of like, well, I need to have this like this money pumping into my business so I can keep doing this <laughs> and keep doing this craft that I love. Because if you don't have that, what ends up happening is you start resenting the business and you start resenting the craft um, and then you just close your doors. Um, and we don't, we don't want that. Uh, so just realize that you can structure this in, in any way that really works for you and your clients. Um, that it, there isn't a set just because everybody else is doing it a certain way that may not be the right answer for you. Okay. 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 That, that makes more sense. So I, I know we already talked about contracts when it comes to like hiring people, hiring uh, mm -hmm. contractors. Is there anything else? Are there any other things that business owners need to know before they hire help for their business? Yeah. So the biggest thing they need to understand is the proper classification of a worker before they hire them. And this is the whole conversation about whether or not someone should be classified as an independent contractor versus an employee versus maybe something else. But an employee, independent contractor, those are kind of like the two main classifications. Um, the concern here is that when you improperly classify somebody as a independent contractor, and they, and so therefore that means that they should have been classified as an employee. Should there ever be some sort of audit by a government agency or whatnot, that can expose the business owner to a lot of financial risk through, you know, back taxes, fines and things of that nature. Um, because, because it, because if you have classified somebody as an independent contractor when they should have been classified as an employee, the government will come down on you and we want to avoid that. Um, and so I can talk generally about what independent contractors are versus employees, but the, the, I do want to kind of put a disclaimer that this is a very um, murky topic and can vary widely from state to state. So this is not like a end all be all type of conversation. This is something that my point here is that when you're ready for it, you need to like do some research, maybe talk to a lawyer in the state in which you're running your business to help guide you uh, to make the right uh, classification. But generally speaking, independent contractors are business owners and businesses that are truly in an independent um, profession or trade. So they run their own business, they invest in their own tools, they have a variety of clients that they serve, 
Um, they, you know, spend money on marketing, like all that stuff. Like they, they have a lot of direction and control over the way in which they do their work. Right. So for example, if you come to me and you hire me, um, as your lawyer to draft a contract for you, yeah, you'll tell me a little bit about like, oh, this is my business. This is what I'm looking for. This is kind of the issues I have, but I'm running my own business here. You don't tell me how to do my work. You don't tell me um, when to do it. You don't tell me where to do it. I have a number of different clients that I serve. I'm running my own business. So chances are that we are in an independent contractor relationship. Um, the more you kind of steer away from those types of factors where um, that the, the, the person you're hiring does not, does not have the ability to exercise that control over their work, the more this person is starting to look like an employee. And so when you do hire an employee, there's additional responsibilities on you as the business owner um, when you make that, um, when you make that selection. So uh, does that answer your question? That's probably yes. like a lot right there. Oh yeah. 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 So, I okay. Yeah, it, it's, oh. it's, it's been, it's always been an issue and it's, there's like this really, I don't know if it's a thin line or if it's a thick line, but there's this line that, you know, and people in the wedding industry, it's still very vague. And having you talk about that makes it makes it more, you know, it it's it's easier to understand. Yeah. And this is something that, again, I think a lot of people in the wedding industry particularly look at others in the wedding industry and they say, well, they do it this way. So I'm going to do it this way. But just because other people are doing it doesn't make it right. Now, if you educate yourself on the law and decide, well, I'm not going to follow the law. I'm just going to take the risk. That's your decision as a business owner. But I, 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 you shouldn't just take what other people do or don't do as um, it may be the industry practice, but it may not be uh, the may not reflect the law. Yeah, and on both sides, it's it's tough because as a business owner, you're trying to set this standard, but at the same time, their businesses too, and it's hard for people to just automatically like, okay, let's, let's, let's just move to the other side. And so it's, it's nice that there's always this conversation and it's, I feel like it's been a good year because people have been starting to talk about this in the beginning of the year and asking each other, like, what are you going to do? What have you been doing? And I'm like, I just want to follow all the rules yeah. <laughs> and make sure that we're okay. So I'm, I'm glad that this conversation has been happening and Good. it's it's protecting everyone, I, th I guess. So my, my other question is, are there common questions that, for, I don't know if we've answered this already, but are there common questions that photographers and videographers ask you about contracts? Like if there's something else that we haven't talked about. I think with just photographers and videographers, understanding copyrights is really important. Um, you know, what their rights are with, with the content that they create uh, and what they can and can't do with that. I think that's something that is unique to them that they, they need to educate themselves on um, so that when they are, for instance, doing a styled shoot or they do take on a client, they understand what their ownership rights are in that in the photography or in the videos that they create. So I don't know if it's so much a common question because it's one of those things that kind of, they don't know that they need to know. <laughs> yeah. um, most people don't understand it. And so um, 
it's one of those things that I just like to raise to people so they can educate themselves on it and make the wise decisions uh, when they do have that, you know, let's say a clause about copyrights and intellectual property in their contracts. They know what they're doing. Yeah. And of course, uh, when it comes to videographers, the other C word copyright is using music for the videos that we've used. Do you have any experience with that kind of thing? So with that, it's just, it comes down again to understanding the copyrights and what the licenses that when you buy this stock content, um, for instance, you might buy some sort of stock music, you know, or a song, understanding what the licensing rights there are, how you can and can't use it. So you can't just go, um, you know, take, I don't know, the John Legend song, all of me, you know, yeah. <laughs> off of iTunes and mix it and just, you know, then... Uh, sell it or publish it or distribute it, right? Um, that content, that music um, is owned by somebody, um, probably, you know, the recording company, you know, the, uh, that re uh, produces John Legend's music. So what you want to do is steer clear of that or um, only use content that you have the right to use. And then understand when you do purchase that content, what are those kind of the, the limitations of use? So some might say you can use it for personal use, but you can't use it for commercial use. You might have to pay more for a commercial license. So there's, yeah, I think to your point, you know, whether it's the music or some sort of, I don't know, stock imagery or something like that, that you might be using um, just as you want your content to be protected. There are other people who have content that you're going to be using. They have, um, rules about what you can and can't do with it so you want to make sure you're you're acting in accordance with that the 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 hardest part for for videographers is because i'm pretty sure all the videographers they want to follow the copyright laws right the mm -hmm. the toughest part is whenever a client says i really really want this ed sheeran song and the videographers <laughs> would be like we can't use it yeah <laughs> so i I don't know how us videographers would be able to tell these couples that, you know, I don't think we, we can't use it. Like, it's going to be a hard thing to go through. But for them, they don't know what to say. Like, for, for the couples also, they don't know that you can't really use it because it's always been, like, the norm. Seeing all these videos online with, like, you know, uh, mainstream music. So is mm -hmm. there a way that the videographers could tell them no <laughs> in a nice legal way you could say you know if you want to contact ed sheeran's people and get the rights to use this content i'm more than happy to do it <laughs> oh there you go if you can acquire those rights i will do it but um you know i you know that you can't do it without the proper license you know um like that's that's that is what it is you know yeah. it, there's just you can't you can't steal other people's content and use it all, as your own even though it's on the internet and it feels like it's free, it really isn't. And you might've already noticed, like if you try and upload a video on YouTube with um, an Ed Sheeran song, YouTube probably won't let you do it. They'll give you a copyright flag and yeah. they'll prevent you from uploading it. So it's not just, I mean, they clearly have tools <laughs> yes. in their algorithms and in their, like in their software that's looking for these things. So um Ooh, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> uh, yeah, me neither. Actually, <laughs> I just remembered what we tell our couples. 
So we tell our couples if we use a copyright song and upload it online, they're just gonna flag it and then they're gonna remove the video. So yeah. there's no way we could use it. So at that point, they're like, "Oh, you know what? Yeah, you're right. Okay, fine." Because I think that this is where yeah, yeah God. Oh, Sorry. I think they're more familiar with that kind of situation. Like you, your video is gonna be flagged on YouTube. Because I'm pretty yeah. sure when they look a video up and the, it says video removed by the owner of the copyright or something, I think they're more familiar with that kind of argument. Yeah. 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 I think whatever works, you know, I mean, but the point is like, you have to have that education uh, and which, you know, your listeners are doing right now because they're here on the listening to the show, but just understanding like, well, why is it? What I don't understand. Like, what is a copyright? What does that mean? Um, just having that basic understanding. You don't have to know all the nuances, but having that basic understanding so that you can answer these questions uh, when they come up from clients or other people that you're working with is important. Okay, sweet. I can't believe it. We did it. It's, it's like 34 yeah. minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so okay i know we were we were like hesitant i was like we can talk forever <laughs> about this stuff so you're and you're good you're like you just went through it and i'm like oh great she transitioned to number two great <laughs> <laughs> okay so now we're gonna go to the part where i'm gonna ask you a few of the listener questions mm -hmm. if you don't mind great okay first question from one of the listeners is the client is a lawyer and she wants to make changes to the contract. How does how do they deal with that? What do they do? Well, I don't think there's like a hard and fast rule where you can't say, I'm not gonna accept any revisions or I'll take all the revisions. I think it's important to look at what their concerns are. First off, let me back up and say, when you have a client who's a lawyer, they will always make revisions to your contract because <laughs> we just can't help ourselves. Yeah. So just know that doesn't mean that they're bad clients. They they just, this just part of our training. Um, so it doesn't mean there's anything necessarily wrong with your contract, but so just be prepared. Okay. Um, but I would, I would, um, whether your client's a lawyer or not, I would take a look at what they're asking for. Is it reasonable? Is it something that you're comfortable um, working with in order to get the job? Uh, if it's something that it's incurring too much risk for you that you just don't feel comfortable you can go back and, you know, I, I feel like you don't have to say yes to everything. Um, you should know what those things are for you and your business and you just say no, or maybe you kind of meet them halfway on something. So I think it's important to listen to what their concerns are. What are they trying to get at? And, and then determine, okay, is what they're proposing okay for me? Is it not okay for me? If it's not okay for me, can I, can I, is there anything else I could present to them um, to like make it work? Um, I think it's important to understand their revision. So if you, I know a lot of people will come to me and they're like, I got a client who's asking for these revisions. Can you take a look at them? Cause I don't know what any of this means. So if you don't understand what they're asking for, find somebody who can explain it to you, preferably a lawyer who can take a look at it and kind of explain it and tell you kind of what the, the risks and benefits are there. Um, and then it's important also for you to just, um, so to educate yourself, but then just be really comfortable to walk away if you're not comfortable with it. You know, I think sometimes, uh, as especially newer business owners, we're so eager for the work um, that we just say yes to everything. And that may not always be in your best interest. And so be prepared to, to feel comfortable enough to say, hey, you know, this looks like it's just not going to work. Like, I'm not going to be a good fit for you. Um, you know, maybe you can, you know, here you can go 
find somebody else for this, right? Uh, so it's, it's, it's a very like case by case, business by business decision. Um, but I wouldn't just blow them off just because they have revisions. And I wouldn't just accept everything, especially because you're like, oh, well, they're a lawyer, so they must know. <laughs> yeah. You know, I would take the time to educate yourself, get the information and then make a, a, a wise business decision for yourself. Well said. I like that. One thing that stands out for me is we had one client who wanted to change the payment terms. They didn't want to do 50-50. They're like, we're going to do 50 and then 25 when we shoot the wedding and then the next 25 when we get the final product. I'm like, uh, we don't do that because we won't start working until we're like fully paid. Just like, you know. Yeah. So it, it it really depends on on um, what your terms are, how you want to do go about with your business, but it's okay to say no. Yeah. <laughs> so like, for instance, you know, someone might say, well, if anybody makes changes to my payment terms, that's not acceptable for me. Um, but you can't take such a flat kind of stance because, or a hard stance, because what if that change had been like, okay, we'll pay you the 50 and then we want to just pay you a little bit each month until before the event wedding date. That's something you'd probably agree to, right? Because yes. you're still getting paid before the wedding. It's just, it's going to help them out with like their budgeting to like just pay you incrementally. It's not a huge, like it's actually probably serves you, you know, a little bit better. Yeah. Um, and so that's something that you're like, oh, okay, I could work with that. You know, that's, I, I can do that. Um, but to your point, changing the payment structures where you want to get paid before you do the work and now they're, asking that like they pay you a portion of it after you've done the work. Well, that's something that you're not, that doesn't, that's not going to work for you. Um, and then in that case you say no. So just keep an open mind and yeah, just stand up for what you think is, is the best for you. Okay. So I'm going to change it from it's okay to say no to it's okay to say no, or maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, okay. <laughs> the second question is, so the client, the client wants a full refund after getting half of what's promised. Probably like uh, they're they're not happy with the video or something happened that, you know, the the client's not happy with and they want the full refund. Is that possible? Is How, how do people go about that? So that is really what I would do is I would A, take a look at the contract. Hopefully there's something in place there that talks about okay, in what cases can they get a refund, things of that nature. So that would really govern this, this conversation. Um, now, sometimes even though the contract may say something that like absolutely no refunds, okay, like whatever, it's there, it's written, everybody signed it. Um, sometimes as a business owner, you might make a decision that, hey, I really messed up here. I'm going to refund the money, even though I did do half of the work, right? Um, in an effort, just like a showing of good faith, I'm just going to do it. I don't, you know, I want to make the client happy. Um, so it, again, it's like, I hate to give kind of this, like it depends type of answer, but there is no like formula here. Um, other than you want to take a look at a contract, the contract, see what the contract says about it. And then you can, again, make a business decision that I'm willing to just take the loss here. Or maybe you're not, maybe you're like, I'm just going to stick to my guns and this is what I've decided that, or I'm only going to refund them the 50% because I've done 50% of the work. Um, and then just kind of go from there and deal with any potential consequences there. You know, sometimes the client might want to take you to court or take you to small claims court to recover that. And 
it's really going to be, again, what you feel comfortable in that situation, given all the kind of facts and circumstances as that business owner, like, what are you going to do? So I can't give you a straight answer here. That's okay. (laughs) Um, But (laughs) it's, it's, I guess my point is like, there's the law. We all know that like, there's the law, these are the rules, but then there's a, you as like a business owner always have to be, you're all, you're in the game of risk, right? You're always assessing risk and whether or not you're willing to take that. Um, And so that's where that kind of your business judgment comes in of, do I, do I want to assume this risk or do I want to just minimize as much risk as I want, (laughs) as I can. And everybody has a different tolerance. Um, and it's just this constant kind of juggling act with each, each situation that arises, whether it's hiring somebody, whether it's a client situation, whether it's an issue with a vendor, um, it's just a juggling act. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. I just realized that I I've been going online for like three to four weeks announcing that I'm interviewing someone like you and questions about businesses are never easy to come up with because when it does, it's usually too late. So good thing for us, there are people like you who already provide a resource for business owners in different levels. And it's amazing that you're willing to share your knowledge with us today for free. And (laughs) I thank you so much for that. I'm pretty sure. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the audience, they, they appreciate it. And I know that there are a lot of them who would want to know more if you so if you don't mind telling them where and how to reach you. Absolutely. So first off, thank you for having me and thank you for just having this conversation to begin with, because I know it's not the like the sexiest topic, right? You probably want to be talking about gear and like lenses, and, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all that other stuff or like Instagram. Um, but so thank you for stuff for having me. Um, but in terms of where people can find me, so you can find me either at AnnetteStepanian.com. Uh, and that's uh, where you can learn more about my one-on-one services and or you can head on over to yourlegalbff.com. And that is where you can grab the contract templates. Um, that's where I have different bundles. So we have by different industries or so like the contracts we talked about, you can get you know, your client service agreement, your website, privacy policy, terms of service, an independent contractor agreement, all there just like in one click type of thing. Um, and, uh, you get trainings. I also have a podcast and a whole bunch of resources and content on both sites that can help educate your listeners about just this kind of this big kind of bucket of stuff that they need to think about as a business owner. And having all of those in one place is great. So thank you so much for being here, Annette. Thanks Paul for having me. Thank you. All the best to you. Running a business is tricky, especially if you're a small business. So make sure that you take the right steps to make your business legitimate and run legally. Fortunately for us, we have people like Annette who provide templates and guides for us to be able to start it correctly. I would love to hear what you think about this episode. Feel free to DM me on my Instagram, my new Instagram, which is at Wedding Video Boss, or you could just email me at WeddingVideoBoss at gmail.com. I can't wait to see you in the next episode. Well, actually, hear you. Till then, play nice if you can't win. Be nice, especially if you're good looking. Boss Man out!
care what you think about this episode, feel free to DM me on my Instagram, my new Instagram, which is at WeddingVideoBoss. Or you could just email me at WeddingVideoBoss at gmail.com. I can't wait to see you in the next episode. Well, actually hear you. Till then, play nice if you can't win. Be nice, especially if you're good looking. Boss man out!